Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Hey, today we're closing our summer series, um, and it's been a great series. It's been thought-provoking. It's been uplifting. It's been faith-building. We've had some great moments together. Uh, But since it's been eight weeks, today is the eighth week of our summer series, I'm not going to do a recap. I'm just going to encourage you to go listen. It's on the podcast. It's it's online for you to watch as well if you want to. I'm not going to do the previously on Is There More to Life. Uh, We're going to press skip on that. And, uh, and I encourage you to do that. Play it in your car. Play it, you know, when you're working out. Um, don't play it on a date. If you go on a date, don't do that. <laughs> I don't think your date is going to want to listen to a message. But, you know, it's available for you to, to, to uh, listen to. We've had some great messages. Uh, if you remember, our friend Pastor Tom Lancaster shared a message. And Dan DePaula shared a great message. And Catherine Obregon, our our, our our family ministry director shared a great message. My wife shared a great message last week called Make Room for Mary. It was an awesome, uh, encouraging message. And uh, it's been a great summer. So I want to end today um, going full circle on the way we started. And I want to share with you three tools for life. If you're taking notes, that's the name of the message, the title of the message, Three Tools for Life. Ecclesiastes begins with these three areas that he explores. And and these are three areas that are important because for as long as we've been alive, humans have relied on these areas. And, And the areas that he shares, if you remember, is wisdom that has to do with your reason. It has to do with your mind. The second area is the area of work, right? That's your purpose. That's what you do with your hands. It's what you produce. And, and then the third area is the area of pleasure. That's enjoyment. That's what brings you satisfaction in life. And these three areas, you know, it's almost like they maintain your life like three legs on a stool. If you, if you don't have one of them, it's easy to feel like life is lopsided, like you're missing something. There's this deep sense of lack. But Solomon says that by themselves, if that's all you have in life, life is still meaningless. It's still lacking something really important. And some of you, you felt that. And that might be why you're here. That might be why you have searched for God. You have searched to connect to the divine, to the spiritual. Because at some point in your life, you leaned on wisdom. You leaned on reason. But things didn't quite make sense. There were some things that happened. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe something happened in your life. Or maybe ideas failed. And you felt like reason came up short. Wisdom came up short. Or maybe you leaned on your work. Purpose. The work of your hands. But the grind and the blood and the sweat and the tears. It didn't quite provide the fulfillment that you were expecting. Or maybe you, le- you leaned on pleasure, enjoyment. But the relationships, the parties, the vacation, the hobbies, they all felt a little bit short. And you realize that as soon as they were over, so was the joy. As soon as the activity was over, so was that, that, that high, right? So you, you, you sensed your life going from high to low to high to low. And it's... 
It was hard to get a, a grip on it. See, it's easy to get jaded and miss what those, those areas are meant to be. Those three things are really important, and they have a place in our lives. And so I want to share with you and, and, and expound a little bit on how they can be useful for you. Now, we've all had moments where we looked at wisdom or, or, or work or pleasure, and we felt like that was the thing that gave us a sense of identity. But that was the thing that, that really made us feel great. You know, you might have moments of fulfillment in your own wisdom. Maybe you had a great idea at work that got, your, that, that got you to have the attention of, of people who matter. Or maybe, you know, you share that killer presentation. You got to showcase your knowledge, and it felt really good. Maybe you gained attention because, in admiration because of your deep knowledge about a specific subject. And, 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 and we can look at wisdom as a way to fulfill ourselves. But I want to encourage you today to, to change your perspective and realize that wisdom is a tool. Wisdom is not a source of fulfillment, but it's a tool. And it's definitely not a sense of identity. Because the person who thinks wisdom is who they are has a hard time learning from others. Has a lot, hard time of, uh, a hard time finding, uh, uh, um, how do I say this, uh, being okay with them being wrong. <laughs> they find it very difficult. That's why the scripture says in Romans 12, 16, never be wise in your own sight. And the same is true for work. Work is a tool, not who you are. It's what you do. And doesn't ultimately fulfill you. Of course, your job can bring you a sense of fulfillment, but it's, that's not its purpose. Is it important for work to be meaningful and good? Of course. But we should see it as a tool. That's why the scripture says in Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, work heartily. Ask for the Lord and not for men. Another, another translation says, work with enthusiasm as unto the Lord. And also pleasure in the same way. Pleasure too is a tool. Now, this might sound a little bit odd to say that pleasure is a tool because most of us identify pleasure with leisure or love or passion. <coughs> Excuse me. Not COVID. Or experiences. <laughs> you have to clarify these days. Because uh, for some of us, you know, pleasure might be a nice cozy day sitting by the fire with a good book. Snow is falling. How many of you miss snow? A uh, couple hands. God bless you. We're together. Now, this is why I love about, what I love about Connecticut. I, I, it, was, it was about March, uh, beginning of April, and I started to feel like, man, I really miss wearing a T-shirt. And then now, it's like beginning of August, I'm like, I really miss wearing like a light jacket, you know? Just a side note, I don't know if you feel that way, but we have the right proportion of seasons here. Thank, thank the Lord. But it might be that for you, it's a good book sitting by the fire, you know. For, for some of you, it might be a concert, music, going out and, and experiencing a good music, the arts, 
For the couples in the room, it might be time spent with the love of your life, you know, sharing a meal together. It was the renowned poet of our time, Mr. Chris Rock, who said that a meal is as good as the company you're, you're with. And I think he's right. You know, he said this, that, that a steak dinner with somebody you hate is a horrible dinner. But a hot dog with somebody you love, it's a great meal. And it's true. You know, I can go with my wife anywhere. And, and it's always going to be great. We're always going to have a great time. Right, babe? That's right. She agrees. <laughs> Thank you, love. <laughs> For the parents in the room, it might be your kids' laughter. It might be family dinners. It might be the meaningful memories that you get to make. But here's why pleasure is a tool. Because if you rely on those moments for your fulfillment, instead of enjoying them, you're going to be consuming them. You're going to need them. You're going to use them. And, and it'll make those moments about yourself, about your need. Because you're dependent on that. So that you can feel fulfilled. That's why the scripture says, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. There's one thing that can fully bring us fulfillment and delight. And that's God's presence. And that releases us to enjoy these other areas of life. So how can you approach these fundamental things, these three things well? And this is going to be a, a very encouraging, applicable message for you today. So let's, let's, let's look at this because I believe that God wants us to walk in wisdom. I believe that. I believe wisdom is a gift from God. God wants us to do good works. Scripture says that He has prepared good works for us. Work is good. Work is godly. And so is pleasure. So the next few minutes, I want to turn our attention to the chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at a few scriptures in that chapter that are going to address these three areas and give us, and give us a little bit of light in how we can see these areas as a powerful tool for our lives. Three tools for life. Ecclesiastes 10 begins with this verse, 10 chapter 1. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell... So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Think about that for a moment. And answer the question to yourself. Have you ever experienced that in your own life? Have you ever seen this scripture play out in your life? A small action. A small moment of foolishness that compromises the entire thing you were building. I'm reminded of a very famous actor... We shall remain aimless. Who had a very decent record of standing for love. A very decent record of standing for justice. He spoke against violence. And he was giving advice on life. It has a huge social media following. And this guy was loved by everyone. And he was sharing his wisdom on how to be successful. Until one night he walked on stage and slapped another man in the face. Don't make me laugh. <laughs> on live television. Last year's Oscar in 2022. Nobody knows who I'm talking about. I'm not going to say the name. But what was that? There was a little fly giving a stench to his aroma. 
This guy had a very, to keep with the text, this guy had a very fragrant life. And one little moment, one little dead fly affected his entire reputation. A little folly can outweigh wisdom. One act that compared to his life and his work was really small. The act itself was not small, but compared to the corpus of what he has done, really small, affected his entire reputation, removed his authority to talk about love and forgiveness and kindness immediately. Maybe your situation wasn't as dramatic or maybe your situation wasn't as public, but you've had actions in your life that produced a bad smell, like dead flies in an otherwise very fragrant life. This is a great teaching from Ecclesiastes, something that we ought to think about, something that we ought to meditate in, because it's, it's, it's the little thing. That's what the scripture is telling us. It's the little thing that can take us off course. Uh, the little thing that you think you can control. The little thing that you think it, it won't be a problem, that you think you have it under control. That's what you need to pay attention to. Small compromise that you think you have it and, and that can't take you down. It's the constant small outbursts of unresolved anger that take over sometimes. And you're like, I got it under control. It's okay. It's the questionable content that you access online that you think, it's all right. I have it under control. It's the small compromises that, 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 that you make they, just to keep things going in your mind. That's what keeps you from experiencing the real, true fruits of wisdom. I want you to remember this. The compromise is the enemy of integrity. If you're going to live a life of integrity, it's important that we understand that good wisdom is wisdom that is unadulterated, that is un unaffected. And, and the point of wisdom is not to make you feel smart. Right? The point of wisdom is not to make you sound important. It's not to make you impressive. The point of wisdom is that wisdom is a tool that keeps you from being a fool. That's what it is. The point of wisdom is to keep you away from foolishness. Because we ought to think about this today here. It, a little moment of foolishness can destroy 15 years of marriage. Some of us have seen that. We have, we have seen that in, in close relationships. All it takes is one moment of foolishness to destroy years of reputation at work with a client. All it takes is one moment of foolishness to compromise your body, for you to lose your health, for you even to lose your life. Friends, foolishness stinks. It's that little dead fly that can compromise the entire thing. I love what James says in chapter 1, verse 5 of the book of James. It says, Is any of you, if any of you lacks wisdom, here's a solution. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Did you know that wisdom is available to you? God is a bottomless, bottomless well of wisdom. And He is 
not only willing, he gives wisdom generously. Let me encourage you to ask God for wisdom and to understand that wisdom is a tool so that you can avoid headaches, so you can avoid foolishness. Let me encourage you to get wisdom and live. So let's continue. Verse 8, he moves on and starts talking about work. Look at what he says, chapter 10, verse 8. He says, whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Maybe snakes lived in walls back in those days. It happens sometimes. We've heard of bees. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. What Scripture is telling us here is that there's an amount of risk connected to anything you do, no matter who you are. There will be times, there will be efforts in your life where things will work against you, seemingly. That what you were hoping for is not going to happen. But that's how we learn, isn't it? You gave your all building that business and it buried you. Man, it was tough. You studied and you studied and you studied and you gave it your best. You didn't pass. You didn't get what you were hoping. You invested. It was supposed to be a sure investment with a sure return. And you ended up losing your investment. Let me encourage you to not lose hope today. Because there, there's, there's the point. The point of work. The, the point that we realize, that we have to come to realize is is that work is not meant to bring you fulfillment. That's not the purpose, the ultimate purpose of work. The purpose of work is to make you better. It's to challenge you. It's to help you grow because work is a tool. Can you say that? Say work is a tool. Work is a tool. So instead of asking yourself, did I get what I wanted? Did I receive the prestige that I expected, the recognition I expected? Was I looked at properly when I did the work? Did I win? Change the question and ask, what have I learned? What was the lesson? How have I grown in this process? How, is the, how has the situation helped me develop? Did I help someone else improve? Did this situation help somebody else learn something? Friends, I know it's disheartening when projects don't work. It's disheartening when you, when you apply yourself and you don't see the return. You know, you, you work hard and, and, and whatever the risk is, it ends up happening. I know, I get it. We've had many things here at church that we've started and, and they didn't quite pan out. They had potential to happen and you know, projects, ideas, classes, things that we've done. Failure is frustrating. But let me encourage you to understand this, that failure can make you dull or failure can make you sharp. It all depends on how you see the work that you're doing. It's all about your perspective on what work is meant to do. Listen to the scripture. It says, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, I'm reading from the NIV version, it says more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. 
Now, I love the fact that it says the skill will bring success. Some translation says wisdom will bring success. But that word skill is, is the Hebrew word hakma. And the word hakma means experience. It means skillful work. It means when you do it again and again and again and then you get it. You know, you know like, like when you learn how to ride a bicycle or any other experience that you had learning something. It, most times we don't get it on the first try, right? That's why you do it again and again and again. Musicians know this. Like you try to learn this. I'm trying to learn a new song now on the guitar. And man, my fingers are hurting. And this chord switch is hard. But each time I try, I get a little bit better. That's what this, work mean, this word means. Experience. Built up work. Skillful work. And that's what the scripture is telling us, that, that work is the tool that keeps you sharp. That's what it's meant to do. That's the point of work, to help you grow, to help you stay sharp. Now, some of you might say, J.D., I know, but my work is so repetitive and monotonous right now, it's not getting me sharp. It's the other way around. So what are you saying, J.D., should I quit? Is this a word from the Lord? Please tell me that this is a word from the Lord. <laughs> not quite my first question to you is this have you settled have you let the monotony and the routine settle you have you stopped improving because you thought work was supposed to make you feel better about yourself because you thought the ultimate purpose of work was your fulfillment and then you thought well I'm not getting that but at least I'm getting a paycheck so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing until something changes. I mean, let me ask you this. What can you do to improve the quality of your work tomorrow when you go back? What relationships can you nurture? What kind of things can you learn? What challenges can you create for yourself that can help you grow right where you are? That can help you get better? If there's room for you to grow at work, let me encourage you, do it. If, take, take, the, take the, the initiative. Take the advice and, and run with it. Put yourself out there. Accept a project that's just outside your comfort zone. Accept a task that's just, just, just outside your area of expertise where you're going to have to apply yourself and learn new things. But for some of you, it could be that for now, you don't have room for that. It could be that for now, your work is going to be your work. That in this season of your life, you need a steady job, even if it's the same, something that can cover your expenses, something that can help your family move forward, something that can give security. That's noble. That's good. That's fantastic. Let me ask you, what else can you do? What else can you do to keep yourself sharp? What other kind of work is God calling you to do? Could you take on a class? Could you challenge yourself with a new skill? Learn a new language, maybe. Could you start a connect group in the fall when we launch connect groups? Could you connect with two or three people from the church community and, and set up a weekly call where you encourage one another? What can you do if you've been feeling like life is dull? Let me encourage you. And this is a word from the Lord to you today. You gotta, it's, time, it's time for you to sharpen your axe. It's time for you to take action and, and, and sharpen what's dull in your life. 
And you won't sharpen your axe by binging your favorite TV show every night. Can I go there? Can I go there? <laughs> Just making Netflix rich, y'all. But JD, you don't understand. I get home and I'm so tired. I get it. I have nights like that. I have nights like that where I have nights like that where I, my brain is mush. I don't want to do a thing. There's no strength left in me, JD. I get it. But could it be that that's because your axe is dull? And like the scripture says, if the axe is dull, more strength is required. If, if life is dull, you have to apply more of your strength. And then get, that means you just get tired. And, and it's a vicious cycle. So what can you do? How can you apply wisdom and skill to sharpen your life? It might be that, you know, you just need to have a clean environment at home. It might be that you just need to make sure that your house is as clean as possible. I know for those of us who have kids, that's a difficult task. As organized as possible. Moms and dads, let me encourage you to do things differently. All right? There's some youth in the room here. I'm going to pick on you guys a little bit. Give your children more responsibility. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Teach them to work when they're young. All right? Give them responsibility. They can do the work. Our motto at home is this, if, if, they, if you have time for TikTok, you have time for dish and soap, all right? If you have time for Snapchat, you have time for the laundry. Oh, praise Jesus. <laughs> all right? If you, can, if you can watch YouTube, you can fold some clothes. I love the word board. The word board is the best word at the house. I'm bored. All right, there's the vacuum. There's, there's work to do. There's work to do. <laughs> There's work to do. Let me encourage your parents. Work makes your kids better. You're preparing them for life. Encourage them to do work. And they don't know this, but work is what they're missing. It's what's going to make them better. And you know what happens? What happens is that they'll complain to you, but they'll brag to their kids, to their friends. And it's like, oh my God, mom, I don't want to do it. And then when they're with their friends, I do the dishes at my house. Oh yeah. I'm really good about it, too. <laughs> work is a tool, and it keeps you sharp. And good work will prepare your children for the world. So let me encourage you to do that. And it starts at home. It starts at home. My wife and I have made a decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to declare like Joshua, we will serve the Lord. Our daughters, we're going to teach them to be women, women of God. Our, our son, we're going to teach him to be a man, a man of God. And he's going to do work. I mean, he's only one, but <laughs> don't sleep on us. <laughs> Friends, God has good works for you, for each of us. Listen to this scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. Pay attention to that. We are God's work. And he, and he created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. So not only are we His work, we are made to do good works. Prepared by God in advance for us to do. Did you know that when God made you, he, you were not only the work of His hands, but as He made you, He said, I'm going to make Simon with these set of skills, and, and I'm going to prepare these kinds of works for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Esteban. Esteban. 
and I'm going to give him talents and gifts and, and, and I'm going I'm to equip him with, with these kinds of, 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 of skills so that, he can, so that he can succeed in life. God has prepared work for you. You're full of talent. You're full of skill. And for many of you, you have talents way beyond your job descriptions. There's way more in you than what you do from 9 to 5. So find a way to activate that. You know, who knows what you might tap into? Who knows what kinds of lives you're going to change? Allow your heart to be open to the fact that God has made you for good works. You following me? Awesome. Now, now what of pleasure? Ecclesiastes chapter 10, let's continue. Verse 16, listen to what Scripture says right here. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Let me, let me encourage you with this. The point of pleasure is not for your own indulgement. It's not for, you, for debauchery. That's not the point of pleasure. I love that word, debauchery. The, pur the, the purpose of pleasure, as, 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 as we learn from this scripture, it has, it, it has a purpose, a specific purpose. Put that scripture up again. I could read the scripture in the following manner. You know, it says, O to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. You could read it the following way. Uh, Woe to you when the ruling principle of your life is immaturity. And your first priority is pleasure. The first thing you think about is for your consumption. It's for your enjoyment. You just want to be entertained. You just want pleasure. You just want what makes you feel good. Now it sounds good to the ear. But what it says is that this is selfish. It's self-seeking. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your relationships without you noticing. And then he continues. What does he say next? Happy are you, O land. I could read. When your ruling principle submits to what is noble and what is honorable. And you seek pleasure in the proper way. For strength, not for indulgence. The proper way to seek pleasure is to understand that pleasure it's what strengthens you. It's a tool for strength. That's the proper way to see it. Now, I think this is really important. There's a proper way to party. I don't know if you like the party. We like the party at Connect Community. We have some awesome parties. We like the party. Yeah, somebody was ready doing the beats there. <laughs> In fact, I feel like we need a party. We haven't had a party since, like, April. We need a party. And let me, this is, this is important for us to understand because if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling worn out, it's time to feast. It's time to party. If you're feeling like you've been working hard and it's time, it's time to, to, to get some strength in you. Scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's time to party. It's time to feast. But if we use pleasure as a tool for selfishness, we're misusing, we're not understanding the purpose of it. 
See, pleasure is a tool for strength. In marriage, pleasure is a, to, is a tool to strengthen the bonds of matrimony. If someone, if one party, if somebody in that union begins to seek pleasure for their own gain, just for themselves, they're going to miss the point and it's going to do a disservice to the marriage. Pleasure is meant for strength, for strengthening the covenant. Same thing with other relationships, friends that you might have, people in your life, family members, whether you're, you're sharing a meal together, going out to play around the golf. I need some amen when I say golf, guys. I haven't gone out in a while. Going to the beach. I'm a beach goer, is that? Yeah? Watching a movie. Yeah. Pleasure is a tool for strength, strengthening the relationship, strengthening the bonds that bring you together. You know, even for your own self, you know, a day off, a Sabbath, a getaway, coming here on Sundays for a church service, a good workout. If it brings you pleasure, it's meant to strengthen you. It's not meant for selfish consumption. It's meant to strengthen you. If you simply consume it, You'll never be satisfied. You're going to want more and more and more and more. And it's never going to be enough. That's how bad dependencies begin. Because it's a misuse of pleasure. Pleasure is meant to strengthen you. And when we understand, when we understand the purpose of pleasure, that pleasure is meant to, strengthening, to strengthen us, it'll change how we approach it. It'll change what we seek for pleasure. It'll change what we engage with, the kinds of pleasures we seek. And my prayer and my counsel to you men is that you may seek the pleasures that make your relationship stronger, that make your family life stronger, that makes your, your, your life all, all together stronger. The same thing for you women. The, the, the prayer and the, the, the desire of, of our heart is that you will seek the kinds of pleasures that will make your heart stronger, your mind stronger. Your soul stronger, brighter. That's the point of pleasure. I love this psalm, Psalm 112, uh, verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. You know, we, 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 we ought to turn to the Lord for ultimate fulfillment. I believe that the Lord has called us all here today. For us to understand and have a conviction that yes, there is more to life. And that we can look at these things in a healthy perspective. Your wisdom, your work, the pleasures that you seek. They have a divine purpose. God has a divine purpose to work it in your life. And they can be amazing. They can be powerful if we have them in the proper order. If we put them in God's hands. God has called us to live a life of meaning. So let me encourage you. Don't let a moment of foolishness steal the wisdom, the fullness of wisdom that God has for you. It's the little dead flies that can affect your life. Don't go through life dull, wasting your time and your strength. There's talent. There's gifts. There are things on the inside that God wants to see come out because he placed them there. So maintain your life. Keep it sharp. And lastly, uh, remember that pleasure is meant to strengthen you. 
And if you, if you look at these things as tools, three powerful tools for life, I believe not only that you are going to have a blessed life, that you're going to experience the more that God has for you, but that you're going to have delight and joy and strength in doing so. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. We love you so much. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.